focus on headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, uh, joining us in the studio, we have Che Ji Hee and Yoon Se Young. And joining us in the studio, guys, welcome back. Hello. Seeing a very busy day once again, <laughs> uh, running from one studio to the other My after great the news case. Uh, it is good to see you guys uh, back here. Uh, also, uh, luckily here, at least in Seoul, uh, we've been seeing the uh, the rain die out here. It's uh, it, we had some drizzles here and there, not, nothing too heavy. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, the record heavy rainfall uh, that we witnessed this week here, I saw the central regions seeing more deaths and uh, more number of people still missing right now. Damages due to the record-breaking downpour growing. It's going to take a long time before we fully recover. So, uh, Chihi, let's get the latest updates. Here. Sure. So the record torrential rain that pounded Seoul, the Gyeonggi, and Gangwon provinces since Monday night led to at least 19 casualties now. According to the Central Disaster and Safety Countermeasures Headquarters, the death counts due to heavy rain stood at 11 as of this morning. And out of the 11 deaths, six were in Seoul, three in Gyeonggi, and two in Gangwon. And a total of eight are missing now, with three in Seoul, three in Gyeonggi, and two in Wonju, a Gangwon province. And 18 in the Gyeonggi province have been injured, and the most recent casualty reported late Wednesday night was of a person swept away by torrents caused by rainfall in the Chuncheon, Gangwon province. And the total number of people evacuated from their submerged homes stood at 5,279 at least, and the figure encompasses those from all regions affected by the rain. And by region, 548 households with 982 people in Seoul and Gyeonggi evacuated from their damaged homes. And the government provided 148 temporary shelters to more than 4,600 evacuees with some 25,000 relief supplies as well. And public facilities were also seriously damaged, with 17 railways in Seoul and Gyeonggi province submerged, and 40 cultural properties were damaged. And houses, apartments, and flooded stores were over 3,700, uh, with much of them in the greater Seoul area. And flooded farmland amounted to some 754 acres, and there were 26 landslides recorded, mainly in the Gangwon province, and more than 20,000 livestock died because of the heavy rain fall. And a total of 46 blackouts occurred, causing inconvenience to some 15,000 households. And most of these electric supplies, however, have been restored. And more than 90% of the approximately 4,000 facilities have been recovered as of now. And also at least 155 have been rescued from floodwaters. And other safety measures have been taken, such as removing more than 1,000 obstacles from their roads, which could be really dangerous yeah. during these times, yes. And heavy rain warnings are still in operation in Gyeonggi, Gangwon, and Chungcheong areas. And according to the weather agency, until tomorrow, some 20 to 80 more millimeters of rainfall is forecast surrounding the capital area. And parts of Gangwon and North Chungcheong will see at least 150 millimeters of rain. But by contrast, we're seeing extreme differences in the weather conditions down in Jeju Island, and the region saw the highest temperatures in 99 years with more than 40 tropical nights this summer. And the resort island's afternoon temperature today rose to 35 degrees. Yeah, I saw uh, reports yesterday that uh, I think Jeju hit something like 37 degrees yes. as well, and you're talking about uh, the highest temperature is 99 degrees. I mean, it is it gets hot in Jeju during the summer, right? I mean, it's uh, further down south than us. 
and so you're going to have uh, hotter temperatures but i mean 37 degrees and then 35 degrees uh, uh today afternoon uh we have a message in from polina maldonado who says uh, all my prayers for korea uh certainly a lot of people have been impacted by this if you were to get any kind of i guess uh, heartwarming we've been seeing also a lot of heartwarming mm-hmm. stories people just kind of going out and about and helping different residential areas, stores and businesses help clean up and things like Mm -hmm. that, just going out into the streets Mm -hmm. and helping out, sweeping and all that stuff. And I think it's times like this when really people need to come together uh, to help each other out. But one of the things, it's always been mentioned. Um, Have you guys ever stayed at a, uh, I guess, semi-basement uh, houses before? No, uh, none I of you guys. <laughs> I haven't. Yeah. So uh, when I first came to Korea, uh-huh. uh, I was looking at different houses. And of course, because my uh, finances were limited, mm-hmm. I was looking into it. And my parents said, listen, uh, we'll give you more money if you need. Just don't go into those semi basements. It's, uh-huh. it's rough during the, uh, the summer times. And uh-huh. so. Uh, I never really understood uh, why until uh, we saw some uh, torrential rains uh, t- mm-hmm. 10 years ago and so forth. But we're now seeing the Seoul Metropolitan Government on Wednesday announcing new safety measures for these uh, underground, semi-underground homes in Korean. We call them panjiha. Mm-hmm. Uh, jiha meaning basement, pan means half. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not fully basement, so it's not like B1, basement first floor. It's like half-half. Mm. But the reason why this has been in the spotlight uh, lately in the news is because we had the tragic death of a family of three who lived in this uh, semi-basement in a multiplex house in Shilimdong, Seoul. So, uh, let's get the details of this. Sure. Um, from now on, it will no longer be able to construct basement or semi-basement homes in Seoul, and the existing subterranean, uh, subterranean homes will also be gradually phased out. This is according to the announcement made by city government of Seoul on Monday, after people drowned in the semi-basement home during the floods. And as of 2020, about 200,000 underground and semi-underground flats were used for residential purposes in downtown Seoul only, and that is about 5% of the entire households. Seoul City first decided to consult with the government to revise the Building Act to completely ban the use of basement or semi-basement flats for residential purposes. And it also plans to give a grace period of up to 20 years for those who own the existing basement or semi-basement houses to convert them into non-residential uses. But uh, the recent announcement of Seoul brings feelings of deja vu because back in 2010, when torrential rains battered Seoul, those lived in uh, basement or semi-basement homes as well as those resided in low-lying areas or old apartments were the most affected people. And in response, Seoul city government, uh, the current mayor, Oh Se-hun, was serving as the mayor of Seoul back then as well, proposed a revision to the City Act to restrict the construction permits for semi-underground homes, especially in areas prone to flooding. But more than 40,000 additional semi-underground flats have been built even after the provisions took effect in 2012. And for that reason, some citizens Seoul's response saying, some criticize Seoul's response saying that simply proposing a revision will never prevent the repeat of nightmare and the officials should more focus on the implementation. Further, some express concern over the effectiveness of the proposal saying that in order to realize this policy, the provision of alternative residents of existing tenants must be followed as well. 
And despite the unpleasant living condition, people choose to live in basement or semi-basement flats uh, called banjiha because of their cheap rents and the living condition may vary. But usually, banjiha homes are known for tiny space, no sunlight, just like you mentioned earlier, and humidity in the summer. But people end up moving into the subterranean homes because they are affordable. And thus, people include many young people who move to Seoul because maybe they got job in Seoul and work hard and try to save money as much as they can. And in order for tenants to voluntarily move out of semi-basement homes, the city needs to provide alternative residences that are affordable for those currently living in subterranean homes yeah, first. Uh, yeah, exactly. And so I think that's the biggest task, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's not that they want to live yeah, in yeah. these uh, panjihas or these uh, you know, semi-basement houses it's it's all they could afford yes. and uh, again it goes back to what i was saying you know when i first came to korea mm-hmm. there's all so much money that i have and because it was so affordable mm-hmm. i was thinking about it but yeah it's it's very humid you have mold everywhere yes. uh you barely get any sun mm-hmm. uh and i i didn't think about you know the monsoon season all the heavy rain and how it could impact as i mm-hmm. came from new york i have never seen anything like this before and so a lot of people might be asking well if it's kind of that dangerous like why do these places like developers create this well they're trying to make as much money as possible right use whatever space Mm -hmm. that they have and Korea uh, is a small country. We need yeah, to use as yeah. much land as possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I mean, it's 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 really important. And I think mm. for all of our listeners out there, if you still don't have a grasp of how these uh, houses look like, a uh, perfect example is Parasite. I feel, ooh, yes. someone mentioned Parasite yesterday. And it, <laughs> basically, uh, the, the houses that you see yeah. uh, in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, our producer is saying that back in the 60s, uh, they had like these basement areas, but that they weren't used, I believe. Mm-hmm. Evacuation spaces. For, yeah, 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 yeah. But then starting in the 70s, because there was like a lack of space uh-huh. in like the mm-hmm. Seoul capital area, yes. they were allowing them to kind of live in those mm-hmm. areas. And because, and this is true, because I remember my uh, aunt and an uncle, they lived in like a villa that had one of these places mm-hmm. that turned, they didn't use it for Panjia residential area. They mm-hmm. used it for like storage. Uh, yeah. And I said, yes. how come you're not using this for Panjia or something? And they said, mm-hmm. well, I mean, it was first built as a uh, storage area. Right. So yes. it's, it's really unfortunate. But also in response to all this, the Seoul City announcing his plans on the so-called residential buildings upgrade project and a housing voucher system for those living in these uh, semi-basement homes. So what do we have on this hand? Yes, the purpose of upgrading the residential building is to provide opportunities for low-income households living in underground or semi-underground homes and the tiny single room with very poor living conditions called jokbang to move into public renter flats after consultation. In the meantime, housing voucher system is to provide monthly rent to those vulnerable tenants who are not eligible to receive the benefits of the policy mentioned earlier but still needs a city support. However, in order for those policies to be carried out, the amount of public rental housing must be sufficient. And plus, uh, securing the budget is essential to provide a housing voucher. So Seoul has not come up with the details yet, so so we'll have to keep an eye on it. Yeah, just to, okay, so this was just, uh, when I first came to Korea, it was 13 Mm -hmm. years ago. So I'll give you the difference in the prices. between a semi-basement house and let's say like a second floor, right? Uh-huh. So in, in Korea, because I had rent, mm-hmm. the down payment, the security deposit, they were asking for something like, t- it was 10 million won. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So around at that time, something like maybe like you know ten thousand U.S. Uh-huh. dollars. Let's just put it at that, uh-huh. right? Uh, the semi-basement floor they were asking for. This was in Chamshi, which is kind of a little bit more mm-hmm. on the expensive side. Uh, they were asking for three hundred fifty dollars. So that's what is it? Three hundred three hundred fifty thousand Korean won. So like something equivalent to three hundred fifty dollars, right? Second floor uh, where I ended up uh-huh. uh, going to same down payment, mm-hmm. but five hundred fifty dollars. Uh, so it was a difference of two hundred dollars. Now a lot yes. of people might say, well, two hundred dollars that's not a Almost big difference. Just go. But for a lot of these people who are coming in to uh-huh. like you know work or you know they're looking students, for jobs or students, students yeah. that's a whole lot of money in difference, right. uh, which is why they choose to uh, live there. So the, whether or not these vouchers are going to be sufficient mm-hmm. is the big question. Uh, meanwhile, the Gyeonggi-do Province uh, provincial government also announcing that it will conduct a research on semi underground houses and come out with uh, countermeasures. So what are they talking about here? The number of victims of heavy downpours in Gyeonggi-do province from Monday to Wednesday also surpassed 300. And the province has not identified the type of residence in order to protect the privacy of the victims. But on Tuesday, Governor Kim Dong-yeon visited a temporary shelter for flood victims in Gwangmyeong City. And Kim was told that most of the victims are those living in under living in uh, semi-basement houses. And Gyeonggi-do has been called for the similar policy with Seoul to phase out existing semi-underground houses and ban additional construction, but has been no significant progress due to the same reasons. And Gyeonggi-do province is also facing the similar problems, but it really requires a breakthrough now to prevent the same tragic events from happening in the future for the same reason. Yeah, um, what's interesting is that, I mean, this has always been a problem. Why people forget after a while and then because, you know, three people died, that we're talking about this again. It's really hard to find the alternative solution. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, you can't just uh, mm-hmm. wipe out all these places and then build something new, right? It's yeah. just going to cost a lot of money. But uh, we want to get how what people are saying in regards to kind of get re- getting rid of these semi-basement residential areas. Chi, let's start off with you and uh, tell us what these citizens are particularly saying in regards to this topic. Right. Well, like we've been saying, these people living in these panjihas, they say, are not choosing to live there despite their poor living conditions and environment because they want to. It's not like yeah, they yeah. these places are more cozy or they think they have like an ambience or whatever. Sure. Like It's not because of those reasons, mm-hmm. uh, unless you're really optimistic. But typically, people live there because they're a lot more affordable. Mm-hmm. And you actually mentioned the rent differences yeah, as yeah. well. People, after they use their budget for for their living expenses, basic living expenses, such as transportation, food, and telecommunication fees, whatever. All they have left is that much and that much. With that much money, they can Mm -hmm. only afford these basement homes. And that's why many people are still living there. And there are so many people still in need of these relatively cheap basement homes. And yet the current Yoon Seok-yeol government said that they'll be providing a lot less public housings mm-hmm. for the people. And they reduced the number to like 100,000 mm-hmm. from the 140,000 compared to the previous government, uh, which means the demand for relatively cheaper public houses will continue to grow. Yes. And so people in response to this new measure by the government are saying, we're not living there because we want to. It's yeah. because that's the only option yes. we have, right? Mm-hmm. And there's they're already worrying about the lump sum deposit money they need to have to uh, afford other more decent houses. And so... Because all these people, residents living in these basement homes, have their own personal reasons 
why they're living there, and it's inevitable for them to live there. Mm-hmm. The government and the local municipalities must take care of all these different reasons that these people have and provide enough support for them. And also, it's be- it's not just about moving their mm-hmm. houses. It's really rebuilding their lives from scratch. So instead of just focusing mostly on economic reasoning, they should take a look at the matter from various perspectives and make sure that they have proper countermeasures. Instead of just saying no more basement houses, then they should provide realistic measures as to where they- they're going to put these residents currently living in these panjias mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah. Seung, uh, what are the experts? experts saying in regards to this very issue of uh, eliminating these uh, semi-basement residential areas? Well, indeed, um, experts' opinions are also divided. Um, Experts who believe that these Panjia semi-underground houses should eventually phase out say uh, building the subterranean houses is already illegal in many countries due to safety or environmental reasons. And South Korea will be the only country in the world to permit the construction of underground homes if we do not push ahead with this proposal this time. And they say although it will take some time because there are already tenants living in these places, but it is the government's duty to eventually improve their residential environment by providing like monthly rent support or low interest loans. But on the other hand, pundits who are skeptical about this proposal say uh, simply removing or banning construction of semi-underground houses cannot be a solution because in the past when the government removed you know, have you heard of this word? Sandungne or Taldungne? Yeah, this I mean, term? they still exist, actually. Yeah, literally translated as mountain village or moon village, referring to a village built up on a mountain size, closer toward the moon. Mm. Uh, those people who were not able to afford a house in different locations had to find an alternative solutions when the government removed Sandungne and Taldungne by themselves and ended up moving into the underground or semi underground homes. Like, so what's important is pursuing policies aimed at securing more affordable houses for urban poor households before just start eliminating those subterranean houses. See, the problem with yes. another, okay, so even if you do supply them with these uh, more affordable homes, mm-hmm. the biggest difference between, let's say, like in South Korea and, and uh, in the U.S., mm-hmm. right, the big difference is, a lot of my friends, when I told them when I first came to Korea that I was living in a place that was $550 in rent, they're like, oh my goodness, that is so cheap, right? Mm-hmm. But yes, but I had to put down a $10,000 da- down payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the U.S. doesn't have that. You're basically paying like three months rent or something like that and then paying like maybe $1,000, $1,200 per month on the kind of space that, well, actually, those places are a little bigger. but. Mm-hmm. The big thing here, I think, is the key deposit. A lot of people can't afford these key yeah, deposits. Deposit, now, yes. the 10000 down and $350 uh, mm-hmm. semi-basement floor the place that I was telling mm-hmm. you about, it's because it was Chamshi. Yes. The Shilim area uh-huh. is far more affordable Cheaper, in that uh-huh. I, I, get, I almost guarantee you uh-huh. that that area that was affected, that Panjia area, you would probably... It's probably somewhere around like even like two th- uh, about two thousand dollars down payment, or maybe even like a hundred a thousand dollar down payment, mm-hmm. and they're probably paying about uh, two hundred 
to $300 in rent. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's really, really cheap. And the reason mm-hmm. why they're living there is also because they can't come up with the down payments, okay. the security uh-huh. deposit. Yes. So my thing is, first and foremost, don't create these mm-hmm. semi-basement floors at residential areas in low-lying areas, okay? Mm-hmm. It just makes absolutely no yes. sense. Like, if it's uh-huh. up on a hill or something uh-huh. like that, if it's, like, hilly, if it's, like, the altitude's a little bit higher, mm-hmm. maybe it's okay, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Right, because, like, technically, they're not really basements. They're no. a lot higher up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so don't build it in low-lying areas. Like, Gangnam uh-huh. area, you know, if Shilim's been affected, uh-huh. don't build it. But my biggest thing is, if you want to really help out those people that need help in these housing mm-hmm. projects, like another option would be a governmental loan system yeah. where they give you a loan for the security. You know how you get like loans for mortgage? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? Uh, like chunze? Yes. Yeah. Or like mortgages and things like mm-hmm. that. But for people like who even need to pay rent, like mm-hmm. very low interest loans for rent deposits. Mm-hmm. Right. And because it, it doesn't really cost that much anyways. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like... It, like hundreds of thousands of dollars that they need to borrow to get this. Mm -hmm. If there is a low interest rate where they could pay off the interest, and if it's like even like $20,000 down payment, right? The interest, low interest on that every month is going to be very, very small. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, low rent as well. Uh, I think that's the only way that it's really going to solve the yeah. issue to be honest and, with you and i also feel like another option i'm not sure if for, it's not an expert's view mm-hmm. but from my opinion uh, i think you know how we in korea we have these places called koshi ones where mm-hmm. you don't have to pay the down yeah, payment yeah, but yeah. you just pay the monthly pay those rent. are expensive nowadays they really? are and they're yeah. really uh-huh. small too very yeah. small yeah you, you literally have space to it's lie just down a room. Yeah, and yeah. some study area yeah. that's it yeah speaking like of koshi one jokbang is another problem here in south korea because yeah. it's a very you know that tiny little space with very very poor living condition and people living in this areas choose to live in Jokbang because they can't afford even like a semi-underground. Yeah, I mean, those, those are flats, even cheaper, right? right? Uh, uh-huh. Yang Gurum says, I lived in Panjiha, a uh, semi-basement, when I was at Chesu Seng, uh, when I guess uh, he took the test again, the, the what is it, the, the CSATs again. Mm-hmm. And there's also, you guys know Oktakbang? Yes. The rooftop houses, uh-huh. you know, they, they they don't exist now. Now apparently you're not you're not supposed to have that anymore. But is it's, it illegal? Yeah. So it's easier to get rid of something that's on top uh-huh. right. rather yes. than get rid of something in the bottom, right? Yeah. So I've been to I've lived in Oktapang for a little oh. bit. It, it is not a place you want to live when during the summertime because it's it gets Too super hot. super hot. Yes. But I mean, some people don't have options and uh, living in those areas. Right. Also, landslides are a big concern after the days of uh, heavy rain. Landslide alerts have an issue for most parts of South Korea. Uh, we also have to take caution. Chi, tell us about the danger signs of potential landslides, how to evacuate from the catastrophe and the flood as well. Okay, so the authority, first of all, has elevated landslide warnings for North Cheolla province and North Gyeongsang province as of 11 a.m. today. The rain clouds are moving towards the southern regions of the country. And Greater Seoul, Daejeon, Sejong, Gangwon province, and Chungcheong province are at high risk of landslides due to the continued heavy rain and Gangwon province already saw, like I said earlier, 26 landslides so far. Uh, And casualties in climate emergencies are mainly caused by rapidly rising floodwaters, as well as torrents and landslides. For instance, if we recall the Unyansan mountain landslide that occurred, yeah, you mentioned that the other day that occurred 10 years ago in 2011. And the one in Chuncheon left 43 dead, and the damage recovery cost was 150 billion Korean won, which is about 115 million U.S. dollars. 
And landslides may easily occur when there's more than 200 millimeters of rain within a day or torrential rain of 30 millimeters per hour in one region. And steep mountain areas with a slope of 30 degrees are the most dangerous. And although it's not really easy to identify danger signs of potential landslides, there are still a few signals that you must watch out for. So if you see rocks rolling down from slopes or trees shaking a lot more than usual, then you should be cautious. And if a straight standing tree is suddenly leaning towards one side, or if you're hearing rumbling sounds or echoes from mountains, even if there's no strong wind, then a potential landslide is very likely to occur or is already underway. So therefore, re residents living beneath these sloped mountain areas must evacuate in advance to a flat land area uh, when there's a continuous torrential rain. And now with heavy rains, uh, water levels, like I said, may rapidly rise and instantly deluge homes and uh, roads. But uh, so you must watch out for this secondary accident, such as yeah. electric shocks. Yeah. And uh, some steps that you might uh, you could take for a potential indoor flooding is to turn down your circuit breaker and turn off your gas valves as well as pull all the power plugs of your home appliances with a dry cloth or rubber glove. But if you aren't able to take all these measures in advance, then you must evacuate as quickly as possible when uh, water starts to fill up in your home. And also refrain from going into underground parking lot, of course, and building mm. basements when there's heavy rain. And also uh, when you're outside during these emergencies, stay as far away as possible from traffic lights and electric poles. And also watch out for manholes. We, we mm -hmm. recently had yeah. an accident yes. where a person fell in the manhole. Mm -hmm. But it's usually really difficult to spot these manholes when there's water. You can't see you it. You can't see no. them. So what you must do is these manholes are usually installed in the middle of roads. So uh, refrain from go walking in the middle of the roads, but stick to buildings and mm -hmm. their walls to stay safe. That's a very good tip. Uh, yeah. Greg S. says, uh, I'm confused when I see people on TV going out for a drive during these floods. It's not that they were going out for a drive drive. Uh, they were outside and the, the water level stuff. moved really mm -hmm. fast. Uh, I was one of those people that might have looked like I was going for a drive. Mm -hmm. uh, what is it? Uh, Monday evening, but I was going home from work. And uh, man, I, I got really lucky. If I was, I think if I was in our show ended an hour later. I would not have been able to go home because yeah, that Hadang, Hadang yes. area was it was the flooding. Worst. It was it was ankle high by the time I got there oh. uh, at around uh, eight eight o'clock. Uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about uh, these terrible stories, but uh, we want to kind of also talk about some uh, real feel-good stories here. Uh, mm. Brave people who didn't hesitate to do something that they could prevent further damage, also battling flood uh, chaos here. So, uh, tell us about these stories. Sure. Um, on a brighter note, I've brought some heartwarming stories. Uh, near Gangnam Station, a man lifted the lid of the drain pipe with his bare hands and removed the garbage, like uh, the piece of plastic yeah, yeah. or something. They that call was... him the Sachodong Superman. Is, yeah, is yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was blocking the hole one by one, too, and eventually unblocked the waterway and allowed the rainwater to drain into the sewer. And in Yonghyun, Yonghyun Dong, uh, uh, a middle-aged middle man also cleared 
cleared the blocked drain hole by himself by pulling out the accumulated vinyl from the drain pipe. And a woman who saw this came to help the guy with a trash bag in her hand. And the two just continued to unclog the drain pipes to help the rain water flows down the drain. And there also was a man who saved a taxi driver who was uh, stranded by heavy rain. And on social media, people have expressed gratitude for those who voluntarily took part in uh, saving others' lives and property uh, by calling them Citizen Harris or, uh, like you mentioned, as Hacho Gangnam Superman. And yeah. Again, I mean, we, we've also heard uh, our producer uh, shared an uh, article with us where they actually saved someone who was living in the semi basement. Uh, residential area the, the person was still alive thankfully and the rescuers mm. got there in time and uh boy um hopefully we don't see any more casualties unfortunately we still have so many more people missing right now so uh the fatality rate actually might go up uh guys let's quickly move on to other uh stories here we got some north korea related news this time north korean leader kim jong-un declaring victory against covid19 uh, three months after the nation reported its first pandemic outbreak but the country's virus crisis is uh, absurdly being blamed on South Korea. Uh, Gee, tell us some more about this. Sure. So according to the official Korean Central News Agency, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un announced that his country defeated the COVID-19 outbreak during a national meeting he presided over on anti-epidemic measures. Uh, and an English-language article read, Kim, quote-unquote, sol- solemnly declared the victory in the maximum emergency anti-epidemic campaign for exterminating the novel coronavirus that had made inroads into our territory and protecting the lives and health of the people. Now, the nation's uh, emergency epidemic prevention system will be lowered from the previous maximum level to the normal level now. Meanwhile, Kim's younger sister, Kim Yo-jong, serving as the vice department director of the Central Committee of the Workers' Party of Korea, claimed that objects that were brought in from South Korea carried the virus into the north and blamed the country's virus crisis on Seoul. And regarding the claim, she was quoted as saying, quote unquote, uh, what matters is the fact that the South Korean puppets are still thrusting leaflets and dirty objects into our territory. And at the same time, she warned of already planned out countermeasures as retaliatory actions towards the South for spreading the virus in the North. And she even revealed in her speech that Kim had fallen ill himself, her brother Kim Jong-un, had fallen ill himself with a high fever amid the country's antivirus fight, praising her brother's efforts to settle the situation. Uh, and observers comment that Kim Yo-jong's message of accusation appears to be aimed at boosting internal unity by shifting the blame to the South and highlighting the leader's devoted care for the people, as well as intended to dilute a public perception that Kim's regime uh, is responsible for the virus crisis. And in regards to uh, the North's imputation, the South Korean Unification Ministry voiced strong regret, saying that the government expresses strong regret over North Korea's insult and threatening remarks based on repeated groundless claims uh, regarding the inflow of the coronavirus at the national meeting on reviewing the epidemic measures. Yeah, um, sure. Uh, we will believe what you say. Uh, Seoul and Beijing once again expressing their different position on the deployment of that. I mean, this is going to be one of the big issue at hand sure. between the mm-hmm. two sides here. Uh, Seung, tell us more about this. 
Um, South Korea on Thursday reiterated Seoul's firm position on the deployment of the U.S. anti-missile defense system Thought saying that that issue is heavily related to South Korea's national interest um, its self-defense against Pyongyang's nuclear and missile threats, that Beijing should not bring it as a topic of consultation. And the remark came after Beijing claimed that South Korea previously has pledged to restrict its thought operation by pursuing a three-nose policy called for no additional thought deployment, no participation in the U.S. missile defense system, and no trilateral military alliance among Seoul, Washington, and Tokyo. Later on, China revised its expression uh, from um, pledged or vowed to it used the word sonshi, uh, literally means a widespread declaration. Um, and uh, as a China Chinese uh, foreign ministry announced, it means like um, officially announced. So, and then Beijing uh, the changed the expression. And Beijing wants the current Yun administration to stay committed to this three-no policy carried out by former Moon administration, saying that deployment of thought harms its own national interest as well. And Seoul is pretty firm on its position, uh, making it clear uh, there has been no official agreement made between two countries in regards to thought deployment on Korean Peninsula. And it even went on to say that if Beijing continues to raise this issue, the bilateral ties between the two will face a big challenge. And the latest conflict signaling a potential diplomatic row between Seoul and Beijing came just a day after the top diplomats of South Korea and China held bilateral talks in a very friendly environmental uh, environment, so very surprising. In the meantime, Washington also defended South Korea's position, pointing out that it is inappropriate for China to pressure South Korea to give up its ability to defend itself. Uh, very quickly, one final piece of story. I think we need to cover this. Yeah. A confrontation between Russia and Ukraine may actually further escalate with the recent explosion that occurred in Crimea Saki airbase. Uh, air New evidence suggesting that the incident could have been targeted, uh, targeted led by uh, Ukraine here. So, uh, Gia, let's get the details of this. Sure. So the Saki base in the west of Russian rolled to Crimea uh, faces a series of blasts on uh, Tuesday, killing one person. And the before and after satellite images from uh, the U.S.-based Planet Labs, which monitors hundreds of satellite feeds over Ukraine, are the first independent confirmation that the base may have been damaged. Uh, but then what's still not clear is, has, uh, is how the base was damaged or by what. And Russia insists that the explosions were caused by ammunition exploding in a store for not adhering to fire safety rules. And Ukraine has not claimed responsibility, and its defense minister suggested that careless Russian soldiers were to be blamed. And uh, the UK's Defense Secretary Ben Wallace uh, suggested that the fact that there were two separate explosions points to an attack rather than an accident. And he also defended Ukraine's right to target Crimea, saying uh, it's absolutely legitimate for Ukraine to take lethal force if necessary in order to regain not only its territory, but also to push back its invader. And the, of course, the international community recognizes Crimea as part of Ukraine, but the region was annexed by Russia in 2014, and uh, this is why any attacks by Ukraine inside this region would be seen as an escalation of the war. All right, there you have it, guys. Thank you very much for coming in today with your report and your insights on some of these issues. Please stay safe, and uh, we'll see you guys again. See you again. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com.
So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.